0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Darnell Patel, and we will be talking about a book that she co-authored with Carlos (laughs) Zulaga. The book is called The Wisdom Factor, Reducing the Control of Bias, Threat, and Fear While Building a Better World. The Wisdom Factor is about how you show up, what you say and do, and the legacy you leave. Using science and experience, the authors describe how a river of reciprocity connects us. Individual behavior holds the transformational power to create change even in tough times. Assessing your effects by your actions is the heart of this book. The strategies can help you build a better world. Watch the ripple effect. Dr. Alice Darnell Lattell has spent a lifetime on issues of coercion and its fallout across educational health, mental health, and workplace settings. A behavior analytic clinical psychologist by training, she spent her first decade of professional life in in special education, adult clinical, and community mental health, while addressing the suppressive effect poverty on infant development, child and spousal abuse, and literacy in rural America. Dr. Lattell served as president of her state psychological association, a trustee of a national board dedicated to reducing violence in America and is currently a member of the Board of Directors of the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies and the Association for Behavioral Analysis International. For more information about the book, you can visit www.keypresspublishing.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Darnell Darnell to the show. Good day, Darnell.
1: Hello there. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Uh, I, thank you. I, I'm I'm
0: really looking forward to our, our conversation today, and and hopefully be a bit wiser by the end of our show. Okay. I'd like well, to start with. <laughs> It, it is, it is. And, you know, and, and there, there's so many aspects of the book that I really like, and I really want for our listeners to, you know, spend some time pondering on what we discussed today. But I'd, I'd like to first, you know, talk about this is a collaboration with you and between you and Carlos.
1: So can you tell us how did that
0: come about?
1: Well, um, I have been my career over many, many years. I am quite old. I have worked on the issue of violence and threat and fear in a number of situations, including business. I spent the last 30 years in big business uh as a consultant to them, how their managers, leaders and others use threat, fear, control versus how they use uh positive elements of the environment to support new behaviors that they need or current behaviors that exist. I've been interested in this wisdom factor, which is something that uh, I'll define, I think, a little bit. Uh, but the the genesis for getting together with Carlos was that I met him uh, about three years ago. Carlos is uh, a, a behavior analyst. He's very focused, he has a master's degree, and he's very focused on how do we help those most in need accomplish their opportunities, their advancement through the power of science applied well. A majority of his work has been training clinicians in the autism spectrum arena, but he knows how to apply the science to many variables. So it was a natural match. We both saw the world very similarly. And we decided why don't we work on this together? It took us a little longer than we thought, but we finally <laughs> got the book out. Yeah. So it's been a delightful yeah. collaboration, seriously. He's quite a, a remarkable human being.
0: That's great. And, and you know, these kinds of products always <laughs> do seem to take longer than, than one what oh, anticipate. Yeah. But um yeah. but they, they they do follow the divine timing, I believe you know that they're they're yes. published and and promoted when the time is right for for people. Yes. Um so let's, let's start with the idea of wisdom and then you know move mm-hmm. into the wisdom factor. So tell okay. us, you know, how you would define wisdom and just you know kind of a high level, what is a wisdom factor?
1: Okay. Well wisdom is defined by those that perceive it. It, it, There's many, many definitions of wisdom, and um, to to act in a way that promotes or moves forward, uh, excuse me, values of the organization or the community or the society. Uh, Wisdom can show up in how we, by others looking at how we treat one another, whether there's uh the the lack of wisdom in bullying or threat or fear that's sometimes used and how each of us individually uh can show up and be said and someone says, Oh, what a wise human being. But in fact we know it's like groundhog day. The degree to <laughs> which we're wise is really uh very dependent on the circumstances that surround us the way we engage our prior learning, we are not, we don't have a thing inside us called wisdom. We have our behaviors that have been shaped and maintained by the world around us. We all can increase our impact for greater good, for adding to values, for bringing people forward by being alert to those conditions and arranging our world so that we're pushed to behave differently as well as those around us. The factor is in the effects our behavior has. It's either going to be a wise effect, meaning uh, advancing uh, a critical value that we believe in, principles that we've learned, the rules of conduct that we think are the right thing for individuals, but how it's judged in the near term is one measure. How our actions today are judged over the longer term is another measure. So we need to be alert to the fact that good intentions, uh, wanting to do the right thing, those are all critically important. But the, it is in the effect we have, not our intention, that we will be measured as to whether we act with wisdom or with spite or with some other agenda that we wrap in uh, to words that we say, oh, that's a lyric. That's the wise thing to do and it might harm others because we're not looking at its effect and in the way that the book would want us to begin to look at each of us. Yes.
0: That, that one, of the, the, one of the things that struck me most when I started reading the book was the, um, the importance um, in the critical aspect of others. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that is, that, that's uh, yeah, that, it's not just uh, a me thing or an internal thing, but, but it, it's, yeah. you know, completely, I mean, it's very connected to others and, and, and our effect on others. Um, so when we, first of all, is wisdom um, something that is, In the eye of the beholder? I mean, is is it one of these cases where?
1: Okay. Yes, it might be my eye. Let's say I say, oh, what a wise thing. But it is in the eyes of those that it affects around me that that label could be attached in any way, and it may be momentarily attached. I can be extremely wise about something, and then I can be, I can use, my uh knowledge that somebody's intimidated by me to get them to do what I want, and suddenly I'm no longer that wise person that I'm calling myself. We have to be very careful about attaching this word to something that says, this is who I am. This is something, this idea of acting wisely for the greater good, is something we're striving to be not who we are. And that is reflected in the world around us. So, you know, there's a lot to learn about this, and learning to look at ourselves objectively is a a part of this book. There are a lot of practices for us to get in touch with how we came to see the world as we do and to be willing to look at its effects always. If we can begin to do that with one another, we stand a mighty chance no matter what the political scene is or our particular biases, of beginning to really talk about how what I say and do affects you and what you say and do affects me. And if we attach it, it's not enough to say, I want to do the right thing. We need to attach it to values so that we're striving towards something bigger than ourselves. And those can be values with small, like, be kind and good to my neighbor. That's a tremendous value, but it may Mm -hmm. not be as grand as shaping a culture of inclusion, broadly speaking. So, you know, but anchoring what we do, evaluating when we're disappointed, we go into something and we say the wrong thing. All of us have done this with people we care about, but we're hurtful, we remember those moments, If we did it, and why in the heck would I do that? This book will help you understand the controls that operate around us and the conditions and people that surround us that help shape what we say and do, as well as our early learning and all of that.
0: Yeah. So one of the – I mean, the – the, the crux of of the book is really taking or a starting point is, is taking that critical self look at, at our our behaviors and our actions um is mm-hmm. the is that um is, is that basically where one would start when it comes to trying to um uh, just look at, you know, ways of behaving more wisely.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, we certainly want to start with us. That finger that we point out to all those other folks who aren't doing it right, well, it just comes right into us again. So, you know, we need to, to be careful about attributions, how we label people, what we see as good or bad. A small sample of behavior boy, I really know how to read that and suddenly we're making great assumptions about worth meaning uh, their value to us as in our society etc we really do need to start looking at us but we we need a foundation in what I consider to be the factors that do shape and guide our learning history and the way we behave our history of behavior. Defining behavior is what we say and do. It's observable, it's measurable. It happens frequently in some conditions, it happens differently. In other conditions you you behave very differently. What is it about that environment that shapes that? So yeah. looking yeah. at ourselves is at the crux? crux of this, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now what, there was one line in the book that kind of jumped out at me, and I wanted to get your um mm-hmm. uh, and, and in in the book, you were talking about um, as history. I'm just kind of quote as history demonstrates, humankind has had many dark periods, and often described as just human nature. Um, and you <laughs> invite uh, the reader uh, to use the principles in your book um, to reconsider that. Um, and I, I know I have used that phrase that's just human nature a lot. Um, oh yeah. So tell us how, yeah. why we might want to look at that closer.
1: Well, we assume that we are by nature. Often, when it it suits the narrative, we assume we are aggressive human beings. That that's in our nature, and we have to suppress it. We assume that we um, will, uh, you know, be territorial. We assume a lot of behaviors that fit the narrative instead of looking at the uniqueness and power of individuals interacting with their world in very different ways. It is not by nature driven. It is by our environment driven. If we are raised in extremely punishing environments, and we learn to be aggressive or we learn that the best way to get my way is to be um a disrespectful over over the top uh demanding of others. Rather the the world is not intentionally driving us to that. Our histories of learning are driving it's a complicated process and a complicated thought, but we we are not by nature aggressive. We are not by nature peaceful. We learn when we're born into this world with a great opportunity called life to look at how and to be shaped by the things around us. A lot of us are shaped early on to adopt behaviors that don't pay off for us, and we can all think of those. And it isn't intentional uh, necessarily that our parents, do something that leads us down a path that we find difficult. We're going down that path, and this book shows you how to break out of some of those histories where you you find that you are extremely angry. Your anger rises easily. You use words that put others down. You know, there's a lot of things, and then we say, "Well, it's just our nature," or a man can't help it; he's just an aggressive, as will be, and that's by his nature. <laughs> not really mm-hmm. not really it's learned behavior think of all the the many many individuals who do not behave according to that assumption so I'm so glad you brought that out it's a really um important topic for us to get on top of yeah
0: you know and it's one of those things that you know we just um assume i mean it's kind of been We've been trained, you know, that this is, you know, a a particular part of of life, you know. um, But the fact is is that it's learned.
1: Yeah. It is learned. And uh, that's what we need to to, The book also does a great deal to talk about how to set up those learning environments for ourselves and how we can use our our friends, our colleagues. Um, But often people won't tell us how we really show up. So, we have to do a few more things, but there's a lot of assessing ourselves in the book, as I said, and assessing those around us. It doesn't do any good to say, well, there's just a bad apple. Now, there are bad apples, admittedly, by the effect, but not by their innate, their, their, their being. Their being mm-hmm. is not necessarily that. But the learning that surrounds them they lead them to behaviors that we can't tolerate. We do have to stop. We do have to suppress because they're harmful, really harmful. And, uh you know, I worked for years in abusive relationships clinically and in those who were very depressed about their capabilities. A lot of that control is through threat and fear and those kinds of consequences that have come to bear on us we can change that pattern. The great thing about behavior is that it's unlimited in many ways. We're limited by our biology, and we're limited to some extent by our our histories, but history can be overcome. Uh, At least that's the message. We want you guys out there listening to adopt. You can move beyond wherever you are. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to do with our emotional, Reactivities, the way we use words, that's described to some extent in this book, too. Yeah. What what is your
0: feeling about, I mean, it seems to me that in in recent years, (laughs) you know, that there's an amount of um nastiness. (laughs) Nastiness
1: is a good word, yes. <laughs> you
0: know, and and you know, and I and I was raised, you know, to to, you know, be very mindful of others. And and I I do my best to follow that as as one of my values. But it seems that um the 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 negativity or, or the, the lack of respect has yeah. become a value in a way that I mean, what's oh, your yeah. view of of, uh, of what's going on with that?
1: Well, when you said books and other things come out when intended, and in so many ways this book speaks to what Carlos and I both see in the world around us, uh, one of the, the chief targets when we are feeling righteous, whatever side of whatever spectrum you are on politically, our righteousness overwhelms us when we look at certain behavior, and we we label it. We we have to put it down. We have to quash it. We can't simply observe it and say, "What an interesting thing that they're saying that." I wonder what it is in their world they're seeing. Now we can't collab. We're not collaborative right now very much, but we could be. We could listen to each other reduce the noise that's why there's some strong emphasis in this book on how emotional reactivity drags us around into disastrous positions where we can't back down because well you know one of those biases a strong person doesn't back off well of course a strong person does you know it's a it's a time of blame shame we use those as tools. We punish others for nothing more than perhaps the way they look. And we think it's alright. And that comes from the things related to how we get to biases, how we learn to use threat and fear to control the world around us. And it takes, it takes a great effort on our part to begin to see our biases. I have biases. Obviously, I do about how I would like the world to work. But that doesn't help the world to work that way if I'm labeling all those who are different than me as wrong, idiots, or whatever other words would come to mind. Mm -hmm. Nasty. Nasty words, as you said. That doesn't (laughs) get us very far. It just doesn't. But how to break that cycle, Mm, that's at the heart of the book, too. How do we get beyond both being controlled by threat and fear. Not speaking up when we could. We could say something. But we look around and we perceive danger. Rightly so in some situations. Do not speak up in this situation. You could be badly hurt. Or we're in another situation at work where we just believe that if we say something, perhaps people will see us as a good a good colleague. Well You know, that's all in this interpretation, and it is at the day-to-day level. This book does talk about concepts that are bigger, broader than our day-to-day, but the focus is on how we show up on a day-to-day basis around issues of being intimidated, people uh, being challenged by our sense of confidence, or how we then get into the aggressor mode and decide we're just going to talk them down. We're just going to... Let them know they come from bad people or they're the wrong – they use the wrong words or they're poor or they're rich and they're outside of a certain class of good that we define as good. That's a terribly hard work to work with. So I hope I'm getting to something here about that, but it really is in stepping back and looking at – how quickly we label others, and we see differences in, and then we judge it. We judge it as, oh, mm, that's really bad. I know what that person is really like. That person is really a uh, X, Y, Z on my list of bad people. And I have the right to bully, to slam, uh, to use Facebook, to use posts, not Facebook necessarily. I know they're working on that, but to post things online. That are distracting, and we get away with it. We're
0: distant, we're removed. Yeah, not good. Yeah, the anonymity, you know, of those kind of platforms is (laughs) emboldens folks uh, to to lash out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. Now, some people may feel that their power is limited, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'd love to change the world, you know, but who am I? Who am I to to make such a change? So can you talk to folks who may have that feeling of, you know, that their life and behaviors, you know, have minimal effect on, on the world?
1: I know. I mean, I, you know, even in approaching this topic, a lot of people said, well, you know, what what do you mean? Making it a better world. I'm an N of one. I'm one human being. But there is this thing called in in the world I live in, as you do, you affect me, as I do, I affect you. You know, we've all heard of the butterfly effect, one small change can ripple. But for those who feel powerless, who feel that I'm in an environment where really, quite frankly, hardly anyone listens to me. I don't have a loud voice. I don't want a loud voice. I want to do the best I can, but I I really can't take on a big, bold approach. I'm only talking to you about you, the, the listener, in your individual world. What could you say or do when you see something around you or you behave? How can you get a around those feelings of, I cannot speak. We spend a lot of time trying to address that powerless world a lot of us live in where we're afraid to put our words into talk. We judge it. It's not, it's not wise enough. It's not big enough. It's not grand. One need not be grand to start having positive effects. Being a mother, if you're a mother, having a small child, using words with that child, one of the biggest things we can do is introduce early on, from the point of birth almost, the language we use. Exponential change occurs in children that are raised in families where they're talked to. So whether you can have an effect, let's say, on husbands, bigger world, you can have an effect on that child by the words you use in his infancy and so on just exposing them to language, pointing to things, assuming they can they are a learning being in your hands and you can shape their future. It it I, I can think of many people who feel powerless by the way they're treated, labeled, shamed by mm-hmm. our society. I know that's out there, very real. At times I feel I can feel that, but then I, I think Darnell Uh, that's pretentious. It's not, you are not necessarily strapped by those same burdens, but I can feel powerless. I can feel as if I don't know the right things to say, and I can be hesitant. But if we can each begin with some small area that we look at and say, I'd like to, by tonight, be able to look someone directly in the eye, and say, you know, I I'm really not sure I agree. Maybe that's all I can spit out, but <laughs> I'll feel better, and I'll be more mm-hmm. congruent.
0: That's yeah, yeah right. absolutely. But, yeah, no, yeah. Um, and we have, we're halfway through the show already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great oh. guy. Um I want to take just a quick ninety second break, and then when we return, yeah. I kind of want to I want to continue on a little bit about. Um, the words, um, and then um, yeah. trust. You know, trust was oh, yes. a book. <laughs> book, is yes. book Okay. So, okay. okay. So we'll be back in about sure about ninety seconds. Everybody, stay tuned. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website Radio. Me has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dr. Darnell Latell and we are talking about her new book that she co-authored with Carlos The book is called The Wisdom Factor, Reducing Control of Bias, Threat, and Fear While Building a Better World. Um, Again, you can find out more about the book by visiting the publisher at www.keypresspublishing.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Darnell? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: <laughs> yes. so
0: now, okay, one of the, there are a couple of things I want to talk about next. One of them is the, um idea of matching our intentions to actions. In, in, in the book you talk about it as being trust.
1: Um and
0: so tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, I mean, because I, I think we have all had you know, instances where we intend to maybe be supportive of someone and the words we choose or or behaviors Um, didn't quite come across that way. So can you talk a little bit about kind of getting those into synchronicity?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, You know, when we look at trust as a concept, there are lots of definitions of trust, but what really, even if you're, you're not particularly, you don't find the person, a person you you really want to follow or any of the rest of it. You know that you can trust that the person will do what the person says. In one way, that's a definition of trust. Another part of trust, though, is the impact those actions have on you, and that's a bigger, broader concept of trust. But in the in the essential elements of it, Trust is a match between what we say and what we do. When we only say, when we say my intention, I will definitely follow up on this and you can expect it by X or we don't even put that kind of condition, but we say I will do this and you can count on me and then we don't, it's a little wedge in that thing called trust and intention. Is a lot of what many of us focus on. I have good intentions, Darnell. I would never want to harm another person. I didn't mean to say those, those things in that meeting in that way. But thinking about you, the speaker, thinking about the effect you're having on that person, because you really want to get your point across, is the beginning of becoming aware and building trust in who you are and how you'll show up. You can still be direct, clear, calm, and immediate with feedback that's hard to hear, but honestly, people listen well, and they look at their own behavior. When we promise something and we don't deliver, that builds a breach that can go on for years. I've worked with people yeah. who 10 years later remember something that somebody said they were going to do and they didn't do, and for whatever reason we can't quote forgive that. I bet if we each looked at our own histories, we find some moments, why the heck am I still stewing over that? It happened a long time ago. Um so yeah, we want to be be congruent. Is to be yeah. free. strive, strive for it, yeah. Strive for Yeah. It. So yeah, and and you know the
0: so when those occasions occur when we are, um, surprised at someone's reaction to what we may have said, what we, what we had said, and, and that that wasn't our intention. Is then the, um, best way to, I guess, you know, build that trust or, or to build back that trust? Is it then an, an open discussion? As to, well, you know, because what you're, what you're, you're doing is you're trying to, in a way, anticipate what someone's, the effect your words will have on someone else.
1: And, yeah. and
0: a lot of times that can be, you know, <laughs> can be hard, you know, to, yeah. you know, yeah. even for someone that you know really well, but, but, uh, you know, yeah. even with those you don't.
1: <laughs> yes, and I think we've all been surprised by thinking, this person is really going to appreciate what I'm saying, but they don't um mm-hmm. yeah i I think it's important for us to look at our words uh very carefully, but you know being careful it needs to get into the ebb and flow of how we show up, and then looking back at an episode where we said something but we didn't deliver on it to that person, we may want to go and say. I've looked at my behavior. I haven't been doing what I said I would do. I'm going to work at that. And please let me know when I'm behaving more congruently. where you see what I say and what I do matching better, I apologize. You could do that. You could also say, well, I just will uh work at that. I won't be perfect. I know that. Uh There are a lot of ways we can do this. But words are the critical variable between us. There's a lot of other physical behaviors we engage in, the way we look, the way we, uh, frown, et cetera. But the words, and frowning is a word in a way, it contains something. But in mm-hmm. the way we talk to each other, um, using must, you must do this, I will do that, uh, you know, we set up conditions where others expect certain things from us including harsh treatment or developmental focus or whatever else so um yeah it isn't enough to say to go and have a meeting it must show up in what you say and do going forward small steps in a lot of the work that i've done i've worked with very um uh angry well they were disrespected by their employees as being harsh, demanding, and super punishing to work for. And they Mm -hmm. would be shocked when they began to get in touch. With the effect of their behavior, they said, I'm just trying to get the job done, and these folks are hired to do the job, and I'm here to make sure they do. You're more than that. You're there to show them how they can bring out the best in their own behavior to get the job done. So really learning how to look at them and treat them and speak to them in a way that it allows that, but also reducing your own verbiage, your threat, your fear. I promise you I will fire you. Okay. That's one kind of promise mm-hmm. that often follow up on on occasion. But the other kind of promise, I promise I will work with you on this era that we're experiencing here. You and I together are going to learn how to do this differently and better. It doesn't take many Many, much time to change Mm -hmm. the effect. And when when I would work with bully bosses, as I like to call them, they got it, tough as it was. They particularly got it when they took it home to their children, to their families. It was harder for them at work because that gets back to that nature thing you were talking about. Really, really good guys are aggressive and bad and they, you know, they're certain, mm-hmm. and they don't make mistakes. All those are rules, that just aren't true. Yeah. So, yeah. human I, behavior is so malleable. I, it's really exciting to learn about it, since yeah. I've been doing it for forty years. Anyway, it yeah, it, it is. Matter. I mean,
0: it, to, to me, it's, it's very interesting. You know, the idea of of our behavior and its impact on on those that us. And now, yeah. I have a, okay. a fellow. A fellow radio host who I who's, who's a really good friend. Um, in over the last, you know, probably seven years that we've do, you know done so simultaneously, uh, she w- refuses to believe that words have power. <laughs> you know, yeah. Words words do not have power. You know, I do not let them have power.
1: And, <laughs> that's, and that's for time. That's I'm, the words she's I've, using about words. Yes. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and of course I'm of the you know, of the belief that you no know, um words have the ability to affect behavior which in my opinion is power. I mean, you know, so um yeah we we whenever whenever we chat, we we do the you know, the back and forth about it. But but I think that's um I think that's important because I think, you know, um it it just highlights the um highlights the importance of words and it and it causes people to evaluate, self evaluate and I think that's a good
1: thing. I think it is too. And uh, yes. to say words don't have power means means that she simply ignores uh where or she chooses to look to something else rather than listening to the words. But words person lift out of a situation, move towards something, restore trust, get out of deep depression. Words are incredibly important. And we have a chapter in the book on words, the power of words. And they are so uh important for us to understand, how we use them, how we're influenced by them. I'm controlled by words to a great extent. I can... Admit. There's nothing to admit, but I am controlled. I, I can find myself getting uh very negative about myself. And I showed up because I've seen that I've hurt someone with my words. Or I've seen that my words have had a different effect than I wanted. Or I have not said exactly what I wanted and it was assumed to be what I was trying to say. It, it, you know, if you have nightmares at night, you're laying there in bed and you think about what did I just, what did I say with my words? I hope she goes through that a tiny bit. Words are powerful. Yeah, yeah they, they are. They are.
0: I, I believe. And um, so now, when, when it comes time, well, In your book, you have a lot of practices, you know, and ways yeah. for the reader to um, incorporate the the knowledge, uh, the wisdom mm-hmm. um, of, of the chapters. So can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, why you included those practices, and maybe can you give us one practice that, you know, someone listening might be able to um, use or to employ, you know, to maybe make a few more wise choices?
1: Yes. Um. We need practices in the book because what we know about behavior change for any of us is that it doesn't happen from necessarily from simply reading a book, but it happens when we start to do something different. Whether we're learning the skill of playing the piano, it won't help us if we read books about how to play. It's in the playing that we begin to get fluent. And the same thing goes with changing the way we've approached others in our world. Um, this is an exercise in um, uh, talking about words and the effects of words. Uh, if you begin to look at uh, so we have a lot of exercises that get to concepts uh, where we're talking about learning, how easy it is to learn in school, and we think of a favorite teacher. What was it about that teacher that said to us, I can do this? I've talked to many uh, people over the years who have felt that when they were in school, they never were encouraged. They never got a good word about their effort, even though it might have been poorly done, but they thought they really did try. So what can we do with grace and kindness to give back to those people? So this all gets to words. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's everywhere. But the, the exercise is about looking at the effects of words. Under what can circumstances do words for you pull most easily. Where are you easy in talking? When you feel comfortable, not judged. Not not necessarily that your words are going to be taken to truth, but what do specific words what kinds of words impede your level of enjoyment? When do you stop listening to the words of others? We all do that. We say we're listening, but maybe we're not Uh What are, what is it about the words? And just going out and sampling a few conditions. What are awkward or difficult verbal exchanges that you've had? And what conditions help you in getting through that? Or what conditions make it harder for you? So, uh, you know, those are the kind, that's one of the exercises. There are many, many in this book in each chapter to help you begin to uh, really look at yourself, not look at someone else that needs to be wiser. <laughs> because we all we all need every day, my like Top day, as I said. Um, the yeah. acting is I promise. We have exercises for that. There's just many many exercises on different aspects of this yeah. emotional control. Well, just a lot of things that one can practice out there. And we will. This we intend to have a a practice workbook that would go along down the road with this and other ways that people can and pod and our own continuous education on the topic. So there may be lots of ways we can get in touch with how we quote show up, but we have to practice. I I think you might uh, excuse me. I don't know if we have time for this, but there is a a notion that there's a something called 10,000 hours of practice makes you skilled. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrews Erickson, who said that, never said 10,000 hours. He said perfect practice makes you skilled. So um, many, many repeats of perfect practice. So if I go out on the golf course and I swing awkwardly, and I do it 10,000 times, I'm not going to be any better. But, if I get guidance as I'm doing it, and I have a good mentor coach, someone who has my best interest in art, and says to me, "You need to go, you know do this without that I'm not a golfer. <laughs> but if other people are looking at our behavior and helping us like parents, teachers, others, they can get us to get that outcome faster and it's suddenly something we get to fluency and we're good at handling emotional discourse. We're we're good at confusing situations. We get calmer, more certain, more in control. So practice makes quote perfect over a long, long lifetime. Still working at it. Got a long way to go. So. Well,
0: you know that. Yeah, I like that the idea of perfect practice. You know, leads to skill. When when we have um, the uh okay, the the idea of a practice is, I mean, it, wisdom is, is a, I would say, a never-ending um, journey <laughs> that, um, <maybe> we don't. <laughs> so we don't get to a a, a nirvana of of being wise. That, that, uh, you of the, the wisest
1: can learn. The wisest the of the wise, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the wisest <laughs> of the wise are often reevaluated by history and say, well, they weren't so the wise in the city. Yes, yeah, but there are inspirational uh, uh areas that we want to move toward. Wisdom changes as society changes. We get as a society, wiser about what will make us work better as a community, as a as a society, and around the world. Those things change and morph and grow, uh, but the wisdom factor is about working to behave in ways that have positive effect against core values that we might identify that we're working to achieve with ourselves and with others. So it's a never-ending journey. There is no such thing as me being the wise human being. <laughs> I, you know, really, we are buried human beings. We're flawed. We show up kind of tacky in some situations. And sometimes we're just fine. Sometimes we're impatient. Sometimes we're you not know, So we're well,
0: not always know, wise. I, yeah. Well, you know, and, and to me, it's, you know, that's, I, mean, I don't want to. I would say that's just human experience, um, but but that's well, no, human that's experience.
1: human experience versus you saying right. that is all that a human can do because we're bound by some kind of, you know, natural right. or other right. barriers to ever being wise. That that's different. Human experience is exactly the right word uh, for how we learn, how we show up, yeah. how we practice. Yeah. You you hit the nail on the head. I wish we'd used that word in the book. It's so <laughs> about our experience. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Well, well, so so now, when it comes time to helping children um, mm-hmm. make wiser choices, you know, or demonstrating yeah. wisdom to children, what what are some mm-hmm. of the um, Maybe what are some common, um, errors that, that, you know, parents okay. may, may, um, use or, okay. you know, where could back okay. that? Um, yeah.
1: Well, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, there have been individuals that have been very focused on showing us how wise children can be. And I've gone to several. Uh, schools, classrooms around the country, and looked at how conditions are arranged, the respect for the words that children use, the way they you know you might give them a a problem about well um joey only you you took the the cookie away from Joey and he's feeling dep- he feels like um that he's not worthy or something that may be something that a, a a student might a little child might do and have them problem solve around that issue of i didn't want to share my cookie i needed my cookie now okay well let's talk about what you can do to make joey feel that you care about him where children are incredibly smart about what they see you can give them situations to solve and listen to them, parents, not not discounting them, not telling them, that's not going to work, you don't know what you're talking about, or when you're older, mm-hmm. you'll understand why that won't work. I'm sorry, I'm getting an echo for some reason. But what you want to do with children is, first of all, respect that they're very alert to the conditions around them, very alert and that they are picking up from our behavior, what is wise, what is not so wise. They're watching the way we mentor and relate to others, but they're often disrespected about what they can learn. We write about children and environment in the book, and uh, Francis Francis Mechner ran a school in New York City that was there. In the end, his target was to, to graduate Wisely Behaving Citizens. So by the time they finished the course of study with him, they would come out on the other side. And they would do exercises around problem-solving, decision-making, how my family affects what I say and do in good ways, not uh, invading the privacy of the family, but what I just learned from my great-uncle's own phone. And he would set up conditions where the children would talk to each other and then use that to influence a decision they were making. The more we can tolerate, support, appreciate, and not this or put down, a child's capacity to see something of value. We don't have to accept it. It's not fully developed. But we can say, you know, you're really working on the right things. You're talking about how quickly we're getting to something good here, whatever it might be. And you can help a child learn, parents can, by letting them speak. One of the things we do in our workplaces and in our home life is too often redirecting the words, say it this way. We may not say we're saying it this way to our child, but we're implying that if you say it your way, it's wrong. Let them say it their way. Look at what they're saying. Take something out of it and find the best of what they're saying. And saying, and when you say that, what about how does it happen in the actions you take or in the effect you have? How does that feel for you? Help them become little mini wise actors. And you'll be surprised and delighted at how much children can tell us about our world. No, but anyway, uh, more detail is in the book. That felt a little off yeah. detail, but there's there's detail in the book.
0: Well, that's great. No, no, that that's perfect because you know I I I love the honesty and the awareness of children and recognize yeah. that parents have such a pivotal role in um, empowering their children for their future. What, you know whatever the future holds, you know that they can and and I have seen the effects of the of parental um, behavior that can be damaging you know to to the happiness and oh, joy you know of a child and um, and so to me uh, you know I always want to um, Point out to parents who are listening. You know that they have this wonderful opportunity to create wonderful beings, You know, um, and you. not to not to waste waste that chance of, to to do that co creation. So, um, yes. Cass, we're we're down to the end of the show now. So, what is it that you what is it that you want, Would hope that uh, readers will take away from from reading the wisdom fact.
1: I'm hoping that we all will be aware of uh, the journey ahead. Uh, that, you know, that, that we can each gain skills, that it's possible for whatever condition we're in to become more effective in getting to the purpose-driven life we want to live. And that with children and others, they are our gifts that we have. We often think of them as ours but they're with us for a period of time, and then they go on and they live their lives. Our our purpose with our children is to give them uh the capacity to do good things in this world, at least I believe that. To the degree we can focus them on value-driven things, that's good, but for each of us as individuals, really thinking through what are the conditions that most control me, that influence me in a negative way, and what are those liberating conditions, and how can I learn to do that more often and bring peace and peace to the valley of my home or in my environment mm-hmm. or to extend my own sense of purpose and goodwill and not expect ourselves to be perfect ever, not judge of worship. That's very important. Okay, well, well um, I do appreciate this. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Darnell. I, I really enjoy, I enjoy your book. I, I'm, I'm going to the practices. <laughs> so, oh, you're good you. the, I hope it so. It is a It is a process. <laughs> so, that
1: um, is a process. Yes,
0: sir. Very
1: nice. Okay. Well, well, thank, you. thank you so much. You for, yeah. You're
0: very welcome. Now, if people want to get in touch with you for any particular reason, um, is there a way that they can do that?
1: Yes, they can go to uh, I um I, I work at aba dot com, but they could go to www.abatechnologies.com, dot com, and there is an info uh a link that they could put a note in saying I'd like to talk to uh, Darnell or I'd like to pursue this a bit. So Great. it's aba techno dot com. So thank you so much. Thank
0: you for your time. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Okay. I appreciate this too. Very much. Keep at it. You're doing good work. (laughs) Thank you, ma'am. All right. (laughs) Take care. Okay. Uh Uh,
0: Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Dr. Darnell Lappel. and we've been talking about the book that she co-authored with Carlos Zulaga. (laughs) And the book is called The Wisdom Factor, Reducing the Control of Bias, Threat, and Fear While Building a Better World. And as you mentioned, if you want to get in touch with her, you can visit www.abatechnology.com and just indicate your interest in connecting with Darnell. And also, if you're interested in finding out more about the book, you can also visit www.keypress. Publications.com And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show and until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadio.me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.